Welcome back to Get Outside with Kids. On today's episode, we're joined by two awesome parents from right here in BC. We actually reached out to Tyson and Shannon after seeing their Instagram adventures of them taking their twins on some pretty epic outdoor adventures. And so we invited them to come on to share some of what they've learned and some of their awesome experiences with us. So welcome, Shannon and Tyson. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So maybe we can uh, just for those who haven't seen your Instagram account at Restless Crusade, maybe you can just give us a little bit of a, a background into how you kind of got into adventuring um, in the first place and uh, how you now have your kids involved as well how we got into adventuring um we've always kind of been into that sort of thing as a lifestyle growing up i always did it since i was young went for hikes all the time uh, with my family and then when shannon and i met we just sort of continued on and then when we had kids we just sort of incorporated it into it right there they were joining our life and we wanted to sort of have that we didn't want to put our life on hold for 20 years or however long your kids are with you so <laughs> 20 we years figured that was a bit of a commitment so yeah. <laughs> we're living Fair in the enough. house right now there must have been the moment as you know you're a parent to a twin and kate and i well we have two children not twins so very different parenting experience uh tell us the moment tyson and maybe we'll uh we'll ask shannon as well she can give us her experience you're at the moment when you found out it was going to be two two babies. Uh, what was that moment like? And was there a bit of panic about how bringing two children into this kind of adventure lifestyle might translate? It wasn't really because our, our children are actually IVF. So we knew we didn't know, but we had two eggs implanted. Uh, we thought maybe that one would take, but we wanted two children. We thought, well, wouldn't it just be great if we just had both at the same time? It would make things easier. It would somewhat speed things up and then be kind of fun. So we weren't really nervous or scared or well I wasn't anyways <laughs> I might have a different opinion but <laughs> but uh no I thought it would be just kind of nice having the two together at the same time awesome awesome I love yeah, that Shannon how did you feel when you got the news that there was going to be two children coming at once to bring up in your adventure lifestyle I was actually pretty excited <laughs> one pregnancy two babies both same age everything I mean honestly I didn't feel that twins was that tough I might get a little backlash for that one, but <laughs> I look at moms that have kids of two different ages and I feel like that is way harder than what I did. I just pretty much did the same thing twice. <laughs> and it didn't always take it's, twice as long to do the same thing, right? Yeah. Like if you're changing a diaper, you've already there and you've already got the mess per se. So it, it didn't exactly take twice the time. It was only really one and a half times. And it was a good way to go, I thought. And mm-hmm. And then as the kids got older, we found that they played together lots. They didn't rely on us for entertainment. So when they started moving around, they were interacting a bit together and they didn't depend on us for their entertainment. So I think that's probably the most positive description of having twins I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's great. I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> maybe we just got lucky. Maybe, you know, having two girls versus having a boy and a girl or two boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are pretty easygoing and just kind of go with the flow mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, yeah, they do have a few arguments and yeah, they fight over things, but it's never, and they're four now. So they still, every day they'll wake up and they'll sit in their chairs and read together or color and run on the backyard or do whatever they want to do. It, it seems to work pretty well. 
Oh, well, that's, that is awesome. It sounds like, yeah, a wonderful definition of twin parenting. I love it. Um, so let's, let's go back in time, like four, four-ish years ago. Um, how, what were some of those first adventures when you had them little, whenever you, you know, you kind of started adventuring with them, maybe share some of the stories when you had these, these two little babies and, and getting outside for the first time, what was that like for you both? Well, uh, the girls were about five weeks old and I had this crazy idea to go and hike Abbott Ridge in the Rogers Pass. It's about a 1,200 meter elevation gain hike. Oh, it took us. I, it's wild. Yeah, it, it was wild, let me tell you. It took us, I think, 12 hours. I think 10 hours from car to car. With five um, week old twins. Yep. Like five weeks after they came out, you were, yep. wow. Five <laughs> weeks after my baby was born, I was basically like attached to the couch. Like I couldn't move. <laughs> The push for it was the girls were born in June and we really wanted to do this hike. Um, but once the smoke rolls in, it's it's all about the views. So we needed to get there before the forest fire season hit. So that's what the push was all about. <laughs> so it was a bit crazy. It was about 16 kilometers around the trip. Tell us some of the mishaps on that hike. Like how did how did things go down for, for you and the and the, the multiple children? <laughs> well, there was stopping what every two hours because we had to feed them and change them. And we had little kids though. Like when the one came home from the hospital, she was just over four pounds. So realistically, we weren't really carrying that much extra weight. It wasn't that much of a strain, but Granted, Jenna just had a child, so it's a bit more challenging. <laughs> I didn't have too many issues, but uh, <laughs> we did get a lot of comments, a lot of funny looks. Yeah. A lot of people actually thought we had dolls because <laughs> they were so little. And <laughs> wow, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I had mammoth babies. My kids were giganto, and so yeah, they were probably at least you know more like they were born at nearly ten pounds kind of thing. Um, but can you tell us a little bit how that's kind of adjusted as your kids have gotten older and maybe take us through some of the logistics of this? Because I think people listening, you know, some of our listeners might be like, they're doing some little hikes with one kid who can walk independently. But how do you do it with two small kids once they're starting to walk and move around and then they give up? What, how have you kind of adjusted your strategy <laughs> to actually keeping them going when they've just they just stop and you're, I don't know, nine kilometers up a mountain. Well, for, I think the beginning, like we started taking them out in the backcountry when they're about 10 months old, their first overnighter, just because the way the seasons fell and they didn't have an option to walk or anything. Like we just got to camp, then they could mosey around camp. Granted, they were, they were light. So yeah. we had carriers that we could incorporate into it. So if they decided to walk, we would just pick them up and put them in the carrier. So it worked out pretty well. And, you know, if you're trying to do that with a, you know, a 30 pound baby, it's a little more work than, than with a, you know, a, a 10 or a 12 pound baby. So like our girls last year were hiking, what, maybe they could hike four or five kilometers at three, but it was slow. It was kind of painfully yeah. slow and it really tested my patience as I'm a, let's get hiking, let's get there and then relax. So it's taken me a year to kind of adjust to this slower pace we're doing now. But now we're at a point where we would like them to walk because the extra weight is yeah. but getting... There, there is times where they just decide they don't want to go anymore. And and those only seem to happen on like the day hikes, the random where we just wake up one morning and decide to go to the local mountains. And, and there's been times we've driven out there, taken 
you know, half hour, 40 minutes or an hour to get there. We walk for 15 minutes. The one doesn't want to go. All right, back to the truck. We're going home. Just <laughs> I'm really glad you said that because that happens to us a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. It happens a lot. And we haven't, you know, my kids are two, almost three and five. Um, and we haven't done any backcountry hiking with both of them. We've done like one of them, the older one. But I, that gives me hope that maybe if we go on backcountry trips on day two, like they or day one even, that it's a different experience. So that's really interesting to hear that. And also for the backcountry, like the overnight hikes, our girls are very excited to sleep in a tent. So it's very motivating to them. Like, let's get to camp. We'll set up. When we get there, if you want, you can just hang out and play in the tent if you want. And we get them involved as well. So even now, like we just got back from one on the weekend and, and we'll give them the tent poles and they'll link all the poles together. So they, they get excited about doing stuff like that. And I think they feel like they're contributing. Maybe I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but it, you know, it gives them something to look forward to as well. And they yeah. clip all the, the little latches onto the poles to make the tent stand up. So it, it's more exciting for them too. And, and every time we get out, they find a new thing to get excited about. So in the beginning, it was a lot more challenging. You know, they didn't know what was going on. And granted, they were two. But And then uh, the older they get, the more they understand, the more they remember from previous trips, and the more they just follow back into the routines on the, the things that they like and the things that they don't like about it. And they, they pick their paths. So. Just um, on, I've seen you share a couple of photos in the last couple of days uh, from your most recent trip. It looked awesome. Can you tell us where you went and uh, which trails you're on? <laughs> um, so we had just got back from, a, it was a four night backcountry trip. Uh, we went to Yoho and Iceline Trail, just by Field BC there. It was absolutely amazing. It was just about 30 kilometers in total, the way we did it. Wow. Uh, but it was 30 like four, kilometers. Well, it <laughs> was impressive. four days worth though, right? Or, I mean, but the girls did it. We were fully prepared that we were going to probably be carrying the bit, but they pulled it off. They did the whole yeah. thing themselves, except for wow. maybe 10 meters where we kind of ran into a bear and they were a little scared. So <laughs> we had to carry them about 10 meters. Oh my gosh. Tell kinda. us more. Tell us more about the bear. We've had a few, we've had a few bear stories on the podcast. Um, Kate has a story right here, like at our local park, like not in the wilderness and a bear, you know, was walking through the local park, but tell us about running into a bear legitimately in the backcountry with your children and how you dealt with that. And maybe how you've kind of prepared your kids when that might happen too. Well, um, so back up to our August long weekend um, trip, we did half a rock wall with the kids. It was a gong show. They did not hike at all. They were sick. I twisted my ankle. A grizzly bear walked through our campsite. <laughs> it rained. We had everything that could go possibly wrong went wrong. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was just still, you know, we were like, yeah, let's do this one, this ice line trail next. And hopefully they'll actually hike. Yeah. <laughs> But when the grizzly walked through our campsite, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. We had just kind of set up our tent. We had just taken our food over to the tables and bear cache and all that kind of stuff to eat some lunch. We were pulling out our food and the grizzlies just walked through, kind of stood up, looked at us all and just like kind of kept walking. We kind of alerted them that we were, you know, we said, hey, bear, like, continue on. <laughs> uh, the girls were scared. They weren't too scared after that, though. Like, we, we, we tried to keep it as calm and mellow as we could. And, like, we weren't overly threatened. The bear might have been, I don't know, 50 or 60 meters away. And the part that we didn't overly like was that it was right in our camp. Like, it literally probably walked, I don't even know, maybe 20 meters from our tent. Like it, it walked between where our tent was and where we were eating pretty comfortable around people and it just continued on. So 
we didn't make a big deal of it, so they didn't make a big deal out of it. And but the strange part about the whole situation after was the girls were saying, you know, mom, that looked like a really nice bear. I would like to pet it. And we're just like, oh, well, no. honey, <laughs> back up, back up. Bears <laughs> are actually, you know, not something that you pet. You don't go near them. <laughs> they might look friendly and nice, but oh my God. And we need to keep our distance. And yeah, so on this latest trip we were just on, we were coming down a whole bunch of switchbacks, about a kilometer worth of switchback, switchback, switchback. And all of a sudden, Tyson says, there's a bear or a bear. And I look up and it is like 20 feet from me <laughs> and did just come up around the corner and 20 feet. As soon as the bear heard his like voice, it, it just went straight up the hillside. Straight up the hillside. It, was, it, looked, it was coming on the path towards us and then it was really growing in area. The trees are all quite high. And then as soon <laughs> as it heard us and there was other people down lower as well, making their way up the switchbacks, then it just, it just darted in the bush and, and it continued up. So it, we only really saw it for, you know, a second or two and then it was gone basically. And like I say, it was a pretty well-worn trail. So it probably was quite comfortable with people and, and we didn't expect to see one there because there was blueberries and raspberries all over the place, which was kind of strange. I thought for sure that would be a clear indication there wouldn't be that many, there wouldn't be any bears there at all because that's what they eat, right? <laughs> Especially this time of year going into hibernation season, they're trying to load up on food, but they didn't seem to be too startled about it. They, we kind of, we carried them for a while, right? Like we say they, Just a few minutes. They, we they jumped up, yeah. in our arms pretty darn quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love, I love how cool you guys are about this. You're just like, yeah. Yeah, saw a bear 20 feet from us. We alarmed it so much that it ran up the hill. Like, that's a fright. That's a surprise bear, right? I'm from Australia, as you can maybe tell from my accent. And I know that Australians listening to this would be like, what the hell? Like, that is hardcore. <laughs> but you guys are like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's no biggie. We've done it. We you know, seen plenty of bears out in the backcountry with the kids. So that's awesome. Yeah, well, I think that bears in the backcountry might be less scary than coming across bears in your hometown. Like we have a local beach 10 minutes from us and there's bears in there all the time. And I am much more uncomfortable with those bears because they see more people. There's, you know, garbage around and stuff. Where in the backcountry, I mean, they're just as scared of you as you are of them. Yeah, we and we don't think we've really come across too many bears actually in hiking ourselves. Ironically, it's just when the girls are there. But yeah, we've seen <laughs> we've seen lots of tracks and stuff, and you know, and evidence of, of bears in the area. But we never really we've never really had too many dangerous issues, right? So, but you, you know, you learn what you have to do, and you're comfortable with it. Just like the risks of driving, right? You know how dangerous it is driving, and what the stats are, and but everyone still chooses to do it. And you know, and there's lots of people, like you say, you're from Australia, and people. I spent some time there and my friends are like, no, you can't go there. There's so many snakes and spiders. I'm like, well, if there's that many snakes and spiders and they were that dangerous, they wouldn't have 25 million people living there. right? I find spiders personally way scarier than bears. Like I would happily take a grizzly bear walking through my site than a large tarantula walking through my site because I would just die of fright, I think, instantly. Like I've said to you, Jen, that's not the big spiders. It's the little spiders that are going to kill you. And when you grow up in Australia, you just get used to them, right? Like on the bottom of our swing set, every time we'd go to hop on, we'd flip them over because there'd be a type of um, spider called a redback from Western Australia, where I'm from, and that'll kill you. And so if it's on the bottom of your swing set and you sit down, you could technically get bitten on the bum. And as a kid, that's probably not totally lethal, but um, it's just a different approach to spiders. So I'm not scared of that. It's very matter of fact. (laughs) It'll kill you. It'll kill you. 
even where we live here, like we have black widow spiders, we have rattlesnakes, and there's <laughs> often in that park that Shannon's talking, there's cougars that come down and mountain lions. And you know what you used to, I guess, right? If people don't listen to that kind of stuff, they're nervous and scared about it. But if you live around all the time, you realize the, the likelihood of something happening is is always there, but you take your precautions to, to eliminate it as best you can. And So just to go back to that hike in Yoho, I have done that trail and it's hardcore. Um, there's a lot of vertical right up that those switchbacks and all that sort of thing. Um, and I did it before kids, no kids involved. It was just me. I was like, oh, it's pretty steep. Um, but can you tell us when your kids are having a hard time on the trail, what kind of things do you, what can you do to sort of keep them motivated? Is it all about the snack game? Because that's kind of what we do, <laughs> telling stories, singing songs. What's your kind of go-to to sort of keep them moving when they don't want to? Absolutely what we do. We tell stories. Yeah. We sing songs. We do have gummy candies that they can get every few kilometers. <laughs> yeah, we just practice alphabets. And I think on this one, I think I counted to 260 or something like that because the one just keep wanted to keep on going up higher and higher <laughs> and uh and it buys the time right and you know or we'll pick a different especially on the ice line part where you can see long distances because you're above the tree line it's okay well let's go to that next ridge and we'll stop and have a drink or have this and, and that just kind of keeps them motivated and and i think the benefits of having two the same age too they're, they're actually kind of competitive and they both want to be first so they kind of run and they always want to stay in front of each other and go jogging together ahead which isn't always great if it's bears, but if you're <laughs> above the tree line and you can see a long ways, they can they can run 40, 50, 60 feet in front of you and it's not the end of the world there. We're also pretty fortunate that they never melt down at the same time. <laughs> they take turns. So yeah. you're never dealing with two kids melting down at the same time. They really sound like really thoughtful children. Yeah. <laughs> and, one, and one always wants Shannon and the other one always wants yes. me. Like if I if the one is melting down that wants Shannon, it's like, oh Shannon, that one's yours. Like you know the rules on this one. <laughs> Yeah, my children are the same. My younger one is all about daddy and my older one is more keen on me. Um, so yeah, same same kind of thing over here absolutely every day. So we feel you on the like only one kid, only one kid, one, one parent kind of thing. And I do yeah. feel even our children now, if one of them is having a meltdown, sometimes it's like the other one knows like, I should be really nice right now, or I cannot melt down right now. It's like, they actually know that like, this is not the time I'll save my meltdown strategically <laughs> for later. Just when they think they've gotten through this meltdown, that would be a great time to then have my own meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about some motivation. I'd love to know too, about some of the gear that you guys have, um, like some of your favorite gears for some of these trips, things that you've kind of discovered with having, you know, with having different ages of children, what are some, what are some of the practical things that have gotten you moving on the trails with the kids? When we first started the backcountry camping with them we really struggled with the front carrier and the backpack and yeah, yeah so we were really struggling with that because we used to use an, an Anya outback carrier on the front and then our backpacks on the back but the double straps thing was really really hard on us mm -hmm. um so finally trail magic invented their handy dandy little carrier and we were super stoked for that our girls were three years old though when that came about it would have been nice two years prior <laughs> for that to come out <laughs> But we first used that. Uh, we did the Juan de Fuca with the girls. Cool. Uh, 47 kilometers. And they did hike. Was it very muddy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> they hiked about 10 kilometers of that whole thing. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, you, if you've done it or not, it's a challenging hike. Like it's it's not overly challenging, but this, every step you take, you got to watch where your foot goes. And if you're going upstairs, they seem to be as high as like a, an adult knee. So for the girls, it's like over their head. Yeah. So they can't even, no, they can't even physically do it. And, and there's grown in paths where it's not bad for us because it's hitting us in the waist or the knees, but for them, it's right in the face. So. But that piece yeah. of gear, that trail magic has 
opened the doors for us to be able to do many backcountry camping trips that we never thought we would be able to do. We pretty much figured before we came across that, that we would be having to do more of a car camping for a year or two in that kind of shoulder season of we need to carry them versus they can kind of hike. Which I feel like is right where we are at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when that came along, I mean, it has its pros and it has its cons, right? I mean, it does pull on your shoulder sometimes. It depends what kind of backpack you have, the weight in your pack versus the weight in your child. But for us, we will take the little bit of discomfort on your shoulders to be able to go where we want to still go with our kids. And it, it folds up small too. So if the girls don't want it or if we if we don't want them to know that we have it, which sometimes <laughs> is a trigger for them to want to be carried, <laughs> it, it'll fit in our backpack easy enough. Like we did bring two of them with us on this last Iceland trail we did, but it was tucked away. They could not see it. If they mm-hmm. would have seen it, they would have probably pushed to be yeah. carried a bit. And they, it, it was out of sight, out of mind, and it is super light. And it helps that we have small kids too. Like they're only, yeah. both of them are under 30 pounds right now. So it's not too bad. But if, if we're carrying, you know, 40 pounds on our back because we have double the sleeping bags, double the, pa- the mattresses, and then all of a sudden we, you know, we're carrying 60 or 70 pounds if all of a sudden yeah, we're carrying that's a child, a, which is a lot of weight. It's a lot of yeah. weight. Even with small children, that's a lot of weight. How would you kind of describe it just for somebody who's never seen the Trail Magic Carrier before? Well, it has carabiners on the bottom that clip to... Basically the bottom of your shoulder straps. And then it and then, has... And then it's got two... It, it's kind of like a canvas square mostly. And then it's got padded sections right where the child would sit. So they face you with their legs going around you. It's got padded sections underneath their legs. They don't pinch anything with blood vessels and stuff like that. And then the other ones, they grab onto the top of your shoulder strap. So when you have a backpack, like an overnight bag, it'll have a padded shoulder strap that fits snug on your shoulder. And then there's usually another chunk of nylon webbing in there that attaches to the pack frame. So it grabs onto there and it actually transfers the weight from your shoulders onto the pack frame when the child is in it. So then it, now it pushes all the way back onto your hips, which makes it a lot more bearable to have. Because having kids just pulling on your front, pulling your shoulders forward is, can be quite painful there. You know, it's interesting because, I mean, we don't do big backcountry trips like this. It's something we're building up to. Like I said, my kids are massive. So I think when I looked into the Trail Magic <laughs> weight limit, I was like, oh, well, she's two and a half and like yeah. way over it. So, uh, <laughs> I, but, you know, it, it's just funny to hear that you go through the same things. You've got the gummies stashed in there. You don't want to, you want to hide the carrier so that they don't see it and like all the same things kids are still kids whether they're going on Mm -hmm. a big you know four-day backcountry hike or a one kilometer hike on a small trail near your house you know like so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things that sound really similar to my kids even though we're doing quite different adventures (laughs) and absolutely I honestly think that the day hikes we struggle with more so interesting that gives me a lot of hope um can you tell us a little (laughs) bit as well shannon and tyson you've done a lot of trips just the two of you as well pre-kids and i love that you are making those trips happen after you've had kids as well can you tell us about some of uh, well your most recent trips and uh yeah the, the kinds of accomplishments you've had on these big trips uh, the last one we did, like you can see, we got to pawn the kids off from the grandparents and, and stuff like that. So schedules got to line up nicely. And both of our parents are retired, so they, they tend to be quite all over the map. So the schedules are a bit challenging. But our last one we did, we went down to to Washington and we, we met up with some buddies from previous hiking and we climbed Mount Rainier. So it's a, a mountaineering deal. So we had to be, you know, crampons and, and axes and harness and rope together. And yeah, it was it was good. It was long days. <laughs> one <laughs> especially long day. But uh, it's the tallest, tallest 
Peak in in Washington uh, as an active volcano. Spent two nights to get to the base camp, if you want to call it that, or two days, sorry. And then we woke up early at three in the morning and put our ropes on. And it was a, a <laughs> extremely windy day, but we started hiking up with our headlights. And there was seven or twelve of us on the way, so uh, yeah, it was nice. We motivated ourselves to get to the top. And- it wasn't overly freezing cold, but you know we made it and it was good. Definitely enjoyable. I love how understated you guys are. You're like, yeah, we got up at 3 a.m. and climbed a volcano. <laughs> 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 no big it was deal. Nice. It's a day in the life. Nice. I'm like, you guys are so hardcore. <laughs> Although I do feel like after probably parenting twins, like getting up at 3 a.m. to hike a volcano was like, well, let's either get up at 3 a.m. to hike a volcano or get up at 5 a.m. with twins. I mean, at least you know, yelling at challenges. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's one of those things. We still have our goals and dreams and ambitions. And and I don't really want to, you know, I don't want to have 20, 30 years from now, my kids thinking, oh, my parents stopped living their dreams because of us. And, totally. and, and you know, put, putting our goals aside, because I don't know if they're going to feel like blame for that if it does happen. But you know what I mean? We still, like I say, we still have our lives and what we want to do. And, and it made for a good opportunity because we did like before that as well. And that's where we met these people. So we, we actually went down to Argentina in January and we climbed uh, Mount Aconcagua. It's one of the seven summits. What's the tallest peak in South America? It's it's the highest peak outside of the Himalayan mountain ranges. That was a big, I think it was 17 days, I think, to get up there. Something oh, like that. We were gone for 25 days. And that was the first time I've ever been away from the girls for oh more than 24 gosh. hours. Wow. And it was really, really, really hard on me. Very, very hard yeah. on me. What an epic adventure. It was an epic adventure, but it was very hard to enjoy myself when I was missing the girls so much. There's no communication. Really. COVID kind of thing to they had just opened up travel to Argentina so there was a lot of just uncertainties uncertainties and things yeah an emotional roller coaster especially for Shannon I guess because she had to deal with it and and being a mom I think she's been she's known the girls for nine months longer than me in theory so (laughs) a lot more attachment there and and I worked out of town quite a bit so I was used to being on the road for a week two weeks three weeks and stuff like that so I've had to uh, I've already I've already crossed those bridges for Shannon it was a first so so when we did Mount Rainier that was only week so it was a lot better yeah. i could enjoy myself a lot more <laughs> And we just drove there. And we drove. I was reading some quotes from the Thousand Hours Outside podcast recently and a guest they had on who was talking about, we're making parenting or parenthood and adulthood look really boring to kids if all we do is stand on the edge of a soccer field and watch our kids play soccer. You know, and if we give up everything <laughs> that we love and that we enjoy because we're now parents and we've got to pack lunches and we've got to, you know, like- what if we don't do all those organized things? What if we make time mm-hmm. for family adventures together, but we also make time for adults to go do things that are their goals? So I love what you're saying there. I mean, again, a 25-day mountaineering um, <laughs> huge summit in <laughs> Argentina, that might not be it for everyone. But like a two-hour yeah. trail run that's something that really lights you up on a Saturday morning versus being, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like you have to go stand on the edge of a soccer pitch to watch your kids do an adult-directed task, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. Absolutely. I feel like that's half the reason Kate and I got our, like, we continue to get our children to hiking. It's because like, well, I like hiking and I don't want to stop hiking. So I'll just make my kids come hiking too. And they'll just have to love it. Um, and we're kind of doing the same thing with skiing. And we've gotten our children to skiing um, these last few winters as well, because I'm like, well, I don't want to give up skiing. So either we always have to do things separately or you get your kids into the activities that you love, you know, to the extent that works. And then you can have these amazing family adventures together. Um, we've talked to a few other people on the podcast who have, who've talked about the lack of like, 
unstructured time in kids play. Like there's so much pressure to be like, no, stop doing those family activities and you must do all of these structured activities instead. And there can be a balance of both and every family is going to find the right mix for them. Uh, But we're obviously big proponents of like kind of that unstructured outside time. Like you're going for a walk in the woods, you've got a destination to get to, you'll see what happens along the way. And obviously, you know, come up with some amazing memories and beautiful photos that we've seen on your Instagram uh, to, to hear about all these experiences. I don't think every kid's unstructured playtime involves like a grizzly bear, but that's a very <laughs> cool story. <laughs> I think the good part about hiking, especially overnight camping, is there's lots of structure involved because, okay, we're going to wake up. We, we have our routines of having breakfast, getting dressed, packing up the tent and moving. And then when we get to the next place, they know that they have time to run around. So they're, mm-hmm. they're collecting rocks, which half the time we got to carry with us for the next couple of days and, you know, picking up sticks and they're making walking sticks out of the sticks. And they're, you know, then we found them the other day, there was a, you know, a makeshift bench out of a log there and they were taking little branches and they're breaking them up and they're trying to spell their name out of the branches as they broke them. And so they're, they're finding their own creative things to do just in the wilderness that is not controlled by us. Like we're not telling them to, you know, okay, go do this now. Here's your, here's your arts and crafts. Here's your paint set. Here's your, they're just doing their own deal. And, and, and very rarely they get themselves into trouble, I don't think. They, they'll always fall and wipe out, but it's just what kids are. Right? Yeah, and, they, and it gives them a opportunity to learn. Like you say with the blueberries, that was driving us nuts by the end of it because we'd walk so slow because they're too busy picking blueberries, but they're learning how to identify the blueberries. And- <laughs> well, I love that. And I love all the stories that um, that you guys have shared. Um, just to recap, because I know we said it at the beginning, but where is the best place to follow your adventures online so people can see more of these amazing stories that we've shared? I do post a lot of stuff on Instagram on Restless Crusade. I did recently just start a TikTok account. Same thing, Restless Crusade. (laughs) And our blog is restlesscrusade.com. Thank you so much, Tyson and Shannon, for sharing all your experiences. I think, you know, like I said, it's not necessarily something that everyone can relate to. (laughs) But these it's really, it's really cool to hear what kids are capable of if we give them the opportunity. And, you know, that we don't have to stop doing all the things that we love just because we've had kids. Um, we can really infuse that in them very young. So um, it has been really nice to talk to you both tonight and uh, we'll share lots of the details of, of what we've spoken about in the show notes as well. If you'd like more stories, make sure you follow us for our weekly podcast episodes or share along on our Instagram page at Get Outside With Kids. And we'll be back next week sharing more outside adventures. 